0: Stolen. Stop. Segurtigi. Stop. Sago. Welcome to Stolen, season four of Sacred Teachings. I think most people know what it feels like to have something stolen from them, something small or something big. It can make you feel sad or angry and sometimes even scared or hopeless. For indigenous people, so much has been stolen from us for too long. Our land, our culture, our language, even our children. In this season of Sacred Teachings, we have asked journalist Peter Downey to join us as a guest host. Peter was with the CBC for over 25 years. We have asked Peter to investigate some of the things that have been stolen from our people and also some of the things that we are taking back. Welcome, Peter. Ona.
1: Thanks, Janine, and thanks for the invitation to join you. Our first episode is called Stolen Dreams. Now, when you hear the word dream, you might remember the one you had a couple of nights ago. But what if you could hear a dream from a thousand years ago, from your ancestors? That's the idea at the heart of a critical indigenous connection to the past, where wisdom and guidance are shared through a a kind of sacred dream that shows the right path forward. Now, of course, a dream can be more personal, maybe just what you hope for yourself. This first episode is about the theft of all these types of dreams. So the first question for us is, can they really be stolen? And if they are taken from you or from a people, can they be recovered after years and years and generations of oppression? So let's start with the personal. Lisa Barry remembers vividly the dream of a remarkable woman. Lisa produced and directed the film Topa Headwin, the Gladys Cook story. The dream Gladys had for herself was crushed by her residential school experiences.
2: Gladys attended the Elkhorn Residential School and she started at age four was taken away from family, like so many, for many, many months of the year, and went on to suffer a great deal of abuse in residential school, sexual, physical, and other abuses. What kept Gladys going and what motivated her, she told me many times, was the dream that she was going to be a nurse. She worked very hard in her classes, she got straight A's, and she was determined that when she left residential school at 16, she would she would go to nursing school. The following clip, Gladys explains what happened when she went for her test to get into nursing school.
3: I always wanted to be a nurse. So I came home with a grade 8 diploma and a Bible. Before the summer was over, uh, there was a school at Oxford School in Brandon that was having a test on uh, what we needed to do to get a career for, as a nurse. So I I went in and, and I was so happy because I was uh, thinking I was going to, everything would be all right. So uh, when I got there and took the test, they gave me a grade eight test, and I knew nothing, nothing. Gave me a grade seven, I knew nothing there either. And then when I, uh, and he skipped grade six and gave me a grade five. In that test, I recognized two, three words. And so I thought, oh, I could do something on this. And I wrote sentences, which weren't exactly what was correct. So, and I was wrong. So I gave me a grade four paper test. And I looked at it I didn't recognize anything, but again, I recognized some names or some words, and I thought, well, I made, I was going to write sentences again, and I thought, no, I did that before, and it was wrong. So I I, I didn't write anything, but I sat there thinking, this is grade four. And the man came around, looked at my papers, and he didn't say anything, but I I happened to look at him, and here, his face was... I'll never forget, I'll never forget that look he had. And he just said, I'm sorry. And then, as he was walking away, I started getting angry, and I thought, I have a grade eight. It doesn't even mean anything. To this day, I don't know if I have a grade four even, because he didn't check out anything on the paper. But I, I took this paper, and I, and I followed followed him, and he sat down at his desk and, and uh, put his hand on the the desk, and and I just crumbled up all that that paper, that test paper, and I just threw it at him. I was so angry, and I I, uh, started to walk away. And before I got to the door, I said, "Uh, you don't do that, that's not what you do, it's not his fault. So I turned around and uh, went back and took the paper, and I said, "I'm, I'm sorry. But I was already in tears. So when I walked out, my mother was smiling, I guess she thought that I was, um, must, she was proud of me, I know, and she must have thought I had some good news to tell her, and, uh, and uh, she knew I was upset when I got closer because she saw me crying. And then I said to her, uh, why did you send me to school? I knew nothing, I'm dumb, I don't know nothing, I was going on and on like that about uh, being stupid and dumb. and. And I'll never be anything. Dad was there, and he said, my stepdad, he said to me, Sha, Sha. And when he said that, I knew I was doing something that wasn't appropriate. So I uh, told him I needed to hear. He didn't say anything more, he just said, Sha. And because I grew up with that, and, and, uh, and so uh, it was a long, long ride home back to the house and uh, when I got out of the car and I was going into the house and my mother touched me on the shoulder and I just pulled away from her and I went and laid down on my bed, and I said, now what do I do?
2: It still breaks my heart to hear Gladys tell that story. When she told it to me it was just as if she was experiencing that defeat right in front of me and it was a story that was common to so many survivors of residential school. The government of Canada had determined that Indigenous children did not need the same caliber of education that settler or white children would receive. So in many of the schools at that time, they were mostly given half school days at best and trained to be domestic workers or agricultural workers and not have uh, any further education, but they didn't know that. So there were so many dreams that were crushed and destroyed by leaving school and finding out that they didn't have any hope of going further.
1: I was really struck when she said, now, what will I do? I mean, the terror of that moment, uh, for her and the uncertainty around it um, must have been, I mean, all the things you've said, but also just terribly frightening for for a young woman. What what happened to that dream? Did it re, Was she able to reclaim it or what did she eventually uh, manage to do about it?
2: Well, it was interesting. And I think one of the reasons I, I worked with Gladys for so many years on her documentary was this spirit and this fire that she had. And she told the story, I'll, I'll go back to her dreams, she told the story about entering residential school at age four and her grandmother had put a necklace on, had made a beaded necklace and put it on her and the supervisor cut it off her and cut her braids off and all the beads dropped to the floor and they scooped them into the garbage and um, Gladys grabbed one and put it in her mouth and saved it for, for years. So the little girl that, that figured out to do that and to save that bead was, I feel the bead was a symbol, in a way, for Gladys's later life because she did save her dream as well. Besides her bead, her dream was resurrected, she she, um, never did go to nursing school, she ended up volunteering on the ships returning from the war with the injured, and went out and worked on the warships as a nurse's aide. She saved lives. She worked really hard, but she embarked on a life of adventure and service. She um, worked in many hospitals, and then went on to become an addictions counselor. She was a mentor and an elder. She received the Governor General's Award for her contribution to our society. She worked in prisons. She, she changed lives. Anyway, you have to watch the film to know more. It's, it, she, Gladys is an inspiration to many. Uh, she passed away in 2009. Uh, she's still greatly missed, but her dream—her dream—definitely survived.
1: So, Ginny, Doctor, uh, is with us now. Hi, Ginny.
0: Hi, Sago and Mohawk.
1: I wonder how familiar the story Gladys told is to you, and and sort of what emotions it brings up in you when you when you hear that kind of a story.
2: Well,
0: it it resonates a lot with me, but I think it resonates with a lot of First Nations people as well, because, um, you know, we we lived in a segregated community, or at least I did, and I think many did, and living in a segregated community, you are sometimes uh, held back in what you can see and what you can do, and that's just the way it is, or the way it was for me anyway. It was difficult to see beyond where we were and beyond where we
1: lived. When we think of stolen dreams, and especially the story with Gladys, did you have any similar experiences as, as a young woman where you felt, um, uh, I don't know if excluded is the right word, but you felt like your dream w- was not going to happen?
0: Yes, I grew up on a reserve and went to a reserve school. But one of the things we had that other schools didn't have is we had a very good music program, and we had uh, a teacher who was very good. And our little school went to uh, competition. We had a band. And I played the clarinet, and we had a band, and we went to competition every year, in the state, and we always received um, the A, the A rating for whatever we performed. And so when we got to middle school. Uh, we had to go off reserve, and we didn't find the same experience with music that we found on a reserve, because, um, mainly because the instruments they provided us were not of good quality, and it wasn't their fault. That's all they had, because most of the other kids had their own instruments, and that was something that, you know, we just didn't have. We couldn't have. My parents could not afford to buy me a clarinet, so that's um that's one thing that was kind of taken away from me not not because um someone was being mean to me but just because of where i lived and the circumstances i grew up in but then as i got older i began to see how i could how i could use my musical training even though it wasn't uh, it wasn't good enough for others it was good enough to do some other things with you know, I taught myself how to play the guitar. I learned a lot of songs in my time in Alaska that I could use to help people and I could teach to people. So that so that aspect of my musical training I guess came came alive. And that's what I'm talking about. How do you make a dream come alive? And so that dream was put on hold, I guess. A dream interrupted. Did you ever read that book, The Girl Interrupted, or see the movie? Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, that's
0: what I think about sometimes. And and yeah, we have those interruptions in life, but then we can recoup them. We can we can get back into them and make them really, really uh, come come out and play in our lives and, and in a really good way. Um, so I don't think um, I ever gave up. On any of the dreams I had when I was young, but i didn't really have any dreams that I can remember until I was in high school. so there you go
1: I am um, for a long time. I thought that dreams were kind of uh you know like a universal language of the subconscious or but the older I get, the more I think to to have a dream is a privilege would you Would you agree with that
0: well Here's what I know about dreams. Everyone dreams, but not everyone remembers their dreams. Uh, you know, I'm talking about sleep dreams. And you see, in, in where, and the way I grew up was your dreams are significant, especially if you remember your dreams. And when you dream about certain things, there are other things that you have to do. But I really think that dreams are important, and I really think that's a way of others talking to us and others telling us, you know, what we need to do and how we need to act. Um, but to really dream, I mean, to dream yourself into another situation or into something better for yourself is a whole different concept, I think. So we're, we're talking about maybe two, two kinds of dreaming, mm. you know, one that you do when you're, when you're asleep and one that you just go and maybe sit by the river and think about, well, what could I do? What, what can I do? And so those are they're different kinds of dreams. Mm. And, I, and I do both. So, yes, dreams have a way, I think, of, of creeping up on you, even though you may not have them yourself. They are instilled in you by, by our parents and by our mentors and by our ancestors as well. And, and I think that's, that's really key in, in, in dreaming is to remember what the ancestors dreamed for us. And you see so much of it come into play now, especially with uh, COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic. You see more and more people returning to the land. And I think that that's their refuge now and and that's something the ancestors dreamed a long time ago was they dreamed how the people should live on the land and how they should take care of the land. And that's what people are doing. And I, I read somewhere that um, one family has been out on a land since March, since the very beginning of the pandemic. And that's where they're going to stay until it's um, until it's over with. So things like that come back to you, whether they were dream- dreams you had formulated, or whether they were dreams that someone put in your in your mind and in your being. You know, it, it seems to all work out.
1: It's a gift in a sense, and, and it has to be taken care of. How how do you um, kind of ensure uh, that it is that it is healthy and vibrant and will be continue to be passed along?
0: Well, I think that comes through my spirituality as a Mohawk woman. Like right now during this time of pandemic I talked to a lot of family members um, trying to uh, help them through this pandemic trying to give them encouragement Um, and so that's how I see it playing out in my life and I think others are the same way and that and that caring is you know something that was instilled in us a long long time ago was that it's our responsibility to take care of each other and that was drilled into us, you know, ever since we were babies. You know, one of your responsibilities is not only to take care of each other, but to be thankful for what you have. So whatever we had, we were thankful for. And those two teachings really shaped the person I am today. And I think shaped have shaped, have shaped a lot of people I know. Um, and those are just teachings that come down, you know, that were handed down through the generations, like you say. Uh, kind of like a dream And, and you know we can get into this whole thing about well what is your purpose for being and that's i think really important to know okay so you really need to explore that what are you called to do and that's you know big big for many of our people what are you called to do and i think that question alone uh, can help you grow and can create a strength that you didn't even know you had when you think about it. And, you know, it's something I think about every day, just about, well, what am I called to do today? And a lot of people don't do that. They just go through their daily routine and and then um, they never go beyond that. And there's so much more that we can do. We just don't do it because we don't think about it and we don't dream about it.
1: Ginny, we've we've talked about dreams lost and, and dreams passed down and dreams interrupted. Um, it, it seems to me that a, that a stolen dream still lives somewhere. It still exists. And maybe accessing that dream, uh, you know, wherever it's buried or hidden, I think is, is part of what you're saying.
0: Oh, exactly. Exactly. Lots of things have been stolen. But and but we 've gotten back lots of things too, and we 're still getting back things and it 's because you know people recognize and people are healing enough to see it and, and I can 't emphasize how much healing is important into into recouping those dreams because it's it 's vitally important.
1: Thank you so much oh, you're welcome, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Stolen Dreams. Join us next week for Stolen, the Creator's Game. Also, please join us on September 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for our fourth Gospel Jamboree with the theme, Dreams of Long Ago for Tomorrow. You can tune in at gospeljam.ca. It will also be broadcast on Wawate Radio, Northern Ontario, and NCI Winnipeg area. Come listen and dream with us. Honor.
1: Stolen.